welcome back to another episode of But Why the Podcast. And today we are talking about one of the largest franchises of all time, the MCU. As always, I'm Kate. I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? I'm Matt. Hello. And Adrian is going to be leading this episode today because I write books when I write show notes. So the MCU is not for me. Yeah, um, this is kind of another kind of Parks and Rec situation where, where any one of us could have literally done these notes. Um, so expect a lot of conversation and probably Matt trying to keep us under a respectable amount of time. Uh, because as Kate said, this is, you know, one of the biggest franchises ever. And we've all are anxiously awaiting Endgame. So we're going to try to keep each other under wraps here. But I don't think it's going to happen. But we're going to try. So for intro question, this is me, this is me testing out if how this is going to go. Uh, give me one, either your favorite character, movie, or favorite moment in the MCU. Matt? Yeah, um, I guess for favorite character, I guess at this point, obviously things change and whatnot. I guess I'll go with Iron Man. Why not? And then favorite movie. Um, I'll still probably go with Iron Man 1 out of all the movies we've gotten. Kate? Uh, this is hard. Uh, so my favorite moment in the MCU is actually... Oh, I can't pick one. Um, yeah, okay. So my favorite character in the MCU is Captain America by a very slim margin. Otherwise, it's Hope Van Dyne Wasp. But I just really, it, like, I just, Captain America is my favorite because I hated the character of Captain America before he became the MCU Steve Rogers, and now I'm deeply in love with who he is as a character. But he's probably going to die, so <laughs> Hope Van Dyne. <laughs> um, my favorite movie is uh, Avengers of Arc, uh, Captain America: Civil War, and then my favorite moment in the MCU. You know, my favorite moment in the MCU is actually going to be the first time we see T'Challa's Black Panther jump down. And for me, I was like, oh, crap, that's Black Panther. And he just starts going ham on Bucky. And I was like, this is amazing. And I'm like, I that was like he was probably one of my favorite characters coming into the MCU, like coming in like from comics into it. So seeing him to jump down was like an oh wow moment for me. Um, no, no, no. My favorite moment is uh, Iron Man and Captain America and Bucky fighting each other at the end of Civil War. That's oh my favorite my moment because it hurts my heart. There we go. Uh, yeah, for me, Tony Stark, Iron Man, favorite movie, Civil War, favorite moment, he killed my mom, and then immediately Prepared fighting. To die. Yeah, because that twist got me, and that was yeah. Not easily fooled in the movie theaters, and that one just totally came by surprise. And he killed my mom. I just felt that. Like, I felt that in my soul. Um, but as Kate tried to <laughs> do, and how Matt was saying, depending on like where we go, there's lots of different ways you can take this. So um, I'll try to get through the production history as quickly as I can, just because like there's like a lot that went into this production. Like, this shouldn't have happened. Like, how? How did we get here? Um, just kind of a lot of dominoes falling in the right place and we'll kind of go through it as quickly as I can so we can get into some about why those so we can talk about um, 
you know, why some of these moments resonate with us so much. So in 2005, Mar- Marvel Entertainment began planning to independently produce its own films and distribute them through Paramount. Uh, before this, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit in our Iron Man episode. I think it's episode 58 off the top of my head. Pretty sure. Yeah. Um, Marvel had basically co-produced several superhero f- superhero films with Columbia Pictures, New Line Cinema, and others, including a seven-year development deal with 20th Century Fox. But ultimately, like Marvel wasn't making as much profit from these movies, from the licensing deals, and wanted to make more money out of their films while maintaining like the artistic control of their projects and distribution. It was basically just time for them to make their own independent movie franchise. So, you know, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, Blade, X-Men are basically like all fine comic book movies in, in like the Marvel cinema or the Marvel universe. But uh, Kevin Feige wanted basically them to make more money. Marvel just wanted more money is basically what this comes down to. Um, and they have like the artistic control for them to do that. So Kevin Feige, who is basically the mastermind behind this crazy venture, um, realized that unlike Spider-Man and X-Men, whose film rights were lights to Sony and Fox, Marvel still owned the rights to a lot of the core members of the Avengers. So Kevin Feige, if you know anything about him um, behind the scenes, is a huge comic book nerd um, and envisioned creating a shared universe just as the creators of Stan, just like creators Stan Lee and Jack Kirby had done with their comic book movies, See, this is what I or comic books in the early 1960s. See, this is what I don't understand. Everybody says like this shouldn't have happened. This shouldn't have happened. Why? Comic books were dying. We're not making as much money. The easiest thing is to go to movies, and like it wasn't like Spider-Man, Blade, and them weren't successful movies. And literally, you had a bunch of generation people grow up to now who are born in making movies. Like I just don't see why people were well, thrown off by this. Well, I think the I think the 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 it, this shouldn't have happened isn't necessarily because the superhero movies exist. I think it's because they exist so cohesively within a shared universe with multiple like multiple multiple directors um with the type of rights that Marvel had for the characters that they had with the characters that they had. I think that's why people say that it shouldn't have happened because they jump studios. They have to use like the B list characters and make people care about people they didn't care about before. Like that, that is why I think people say it shouldn't happen. Yeah, because we even saw this like, you know, like even like you, you put in our Iron Man episode, like they started with Iron Man to start off their cinematic universe. Like this isn't, they didn't have the rights to X-Men. They didn't have rights to, you know, Spider-Man, like the big characters in the Marvel universe. And they basically started with a B-list character and it worked. And I found out why they chose Iron Man, by the way. So there was a test group with children and they gave them a toy of uh, Captain America, Iron Man, and the Hulk, I think, and whatever toy the kids chose to play with more, that was the one they were going to go with, and it was Iron Man. I love that. Um, so, it, you know, and that, that makes a lot of sense too, because in 2005, Marvel gained the, gained the film rights to Iron Man from New Line Cinema. In 2006, they gained the rights to Incredible Hulk, and in April 2006, Paramount Pictures acquired the rights to Thor from Sony Pictures, and then that year they announced that. Uh, they announced to be like Marvel Studios production, um, and then Lionsgate Entertainment subsequently dropped Black Widow, uh, the motion picture that they had been thinking about in 2004, and gave the rights. I didn't know that was a thing. Back to Marvel. So like when I say like this stuff, like they just just all in a row, like all of their main characters 
they got the rights to all of their main characters basically within like a year of them deciding to do this. And if they would have done this, you know, in 2002 or wanted to do this in 2002, there's no way it would have happened because they didn't have the, um, the pieces in line. And I really like the, them going with the captain America or going with Iron Man because in, I think it's 2006, 2007. I don't remember what, what year this was, but uh, Marvel entered into a, non-recourse financing structure with Merrill Lynch commercial finance group. And basically the um, set up a deal for the movie rights to a total of 10 characters from Marvel's vault. And Marvel basically got 525 million to make a maximum of 10 movies based on the company's properties over eight years. And then according to the parameters of the deal with Paramount, they got um, if they did basically, if they didn't sell well, Marvel was going to lose the rights to Ant-Man, the Avengers, Black Panther, Captain America, Cloak and Dagger, Doctor Strange, Hawkeye, Nick Fury, Power Pack, and Shang-Chi, and would lose all of those. Power Pack? Yeah. yeah. What? Uh, so basically, like, if that deal didn't work, or the Merrill Lynch deal didn't work for that $525 million, they were going to lose the rights to all of those characters. And with the, with the exception of some of those characters that I just mentioned, or properties we just mentioned, all of those are now in our MCU in some form yeah. or another. Yeah, and Shang-Chi's slotted uh, becoming, I think, 2021 or 2020. Yeah, so we're, we're in good shape. So in 2007, Marvel Studio formed a creative community of basically like the six people who've kind of been behind this whole um, deal. So Kevin Feige, Marvel Studios co-president, Louis De... De Esposito, <laughs> Marvel Comics president of publishing, Dan Buckley, Marvel's chief uh, creative officer, Joe um, Quesada, writer. Quesada. Yeah. Quesada. He Amer yeah, and that's only because he Americanizes his name. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, writer who is a writer, Brian Michael Bendis, and Marvel uh, Marvel Entertainment president, Alan. Vine, who basically oversaw the community and shortly after like them creating this committee they start be they start filming iron man one in like mid 2007 and then they basically from what they said had the timeline back then for to basically till 2028 um from that initial forming of the committee and the cool thing about like them choosing iron man even with this deal is that iron man wasn't in the lynch deal so marvel basically had to put up their own money to get it going so Again, from our Iron Man episode, like this probably wasn't the most likely character to do it. I know lots of people who, when it came up, they didn't think it was going to work. Ended up paying off big with big numbers. And basically, that starts off our whole MCU. And I do want to point out, too, um, I'm, I'm going to try to keep like the comparisons to Warner Brothers to a minimum. But Same. I do want to point I'm out one of, one of yeah, like one of the beautiful things Marvel did was having Joe Caseta and Brian Michael Bendis. Brian Michael Bendis is one of the largest comic book writers. He's writing Superman right now. Um, he invented, uh, he invented uh, a whole bunch of different characters. He's like this kind of age of comics that we're in now. Um, Brian Michael Bendis is one of those big, is one of those really big names. Um, Joe Caseta also is like these, like they included guys who knew comics and knew how to and knew how they worked. 
Um, and I think for the longest time, the Warner Brothers stuff had that really detached. Um, but in this new this new age of Warner Brothers, they have Jeff Johns on their committee doing a lot of the planning, um, which is a really big thing. Um, and I think that that's something that, that, that if they had had them in the beginning in the same way that they had Bendis and Caseda, um, that could have helped. Because um, that's, that's a really good decision to make. Yeah, for sure. Put a, put a power team behind the whole thing, people who care, and not just kind of like the money thing, which I think is... Um, kind of goes kind of goes into some of the stuff that we talk about later and their decision to kind of go with certain directors and things. Um, but as we all know, in December 2009, Walt Disney begins taking over the world again and purchases Marvel Entertainment <laughs> for $4 billion. Their first Infinity Stone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or was it their second? No, it's their third Infinity Stone, right? Did Star Wars come before or after this? After. I think After, yeah, I okay. think First. I think Star Wars is twenty twelve. Okay, so is it Pixar, Marvel, and then Star Wars? I think I don't know. It's they Star all Wars. they just did it so fast. It's it it's is like, an Infinity Stone, and they are Thanos. Yeah, like it was basically an Infinity War movie. They just got everything really quick and then started owning everything. Um, but when the deal happened, both Marvel and Disney had stated that the merger would not affect any of the pre existing deals with other film studios for the time being. Although Disney said that they would consider distributing future Marvel projects with their own studios once the current deals expired. On October 2010, Disney bought the distribution rights for the Avengers and Iron Man 3 from Paramount Pictures. But shortly after, like Disney basically uh, acquires Marvel in 2010, we get up, we set up, Marvel sets up their television division and basically gives us the groundwork for the Marvel TV slash Netflix shows, I guess. Just Marvel TV slash Disney Plus now, I guess. Or Marvel TV slash Netflix slash Hulu. Oh, Hulu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slash yeah. ABC. Yeah. Because Runaways is technically Disney owned. Yeah. So we fast forward a little bit to February 9th, 2015. Sony Pictures and Marvel Studios announced a deal that would introduce Spider-Man into the MCU allowing spider characters to appear in Marvel Studios films as well as Marvel Studio characters to appear in Sony picture films. So they basically kind of like got the deal and readjusted their timeline a little bit for releasing their movies to throw in Spider-Man so we can get him in things and such. Um, And then kind of getting closer to present day, in September 2018, Marvel Studios announced the development of multiple limited series on Disney+. Plus. and I'm sure we're going to get more as, as you know, uh, think, things come, come up. But we have, like, we know that we're going to get Loki. We know we're going to get WandaVision, which is an interesting name. And these names were just announced. So yeah. the names were announced this year. Yeah. And then we have an untitled Falcon Winter Soldier series focusing. And then one focusing on Hawkeye. And then an animated anthology series called What If? Um, so I'm sure more stuff is going to come out within like the next few days of this recording, but that's what we got so far as of right now. I am so excited for the what if animated series because the what if comics are some of the best comics in like Marvel existence. Like this is how you get Hulk ripping apart Wolverine. Yeah. Like the what if like it's going to be crazy and it's going to be great. And Disney plus is really cheap. And I, for one, welcome our Mickey Mouse overlords. <laughs> uh, but no, it really is a bad thing. I, I, I understand that it's bad. It is terrible. But it feels so nice. No, it does not. I've never had this much Star Wars stuff and comic book stuff in my life. Well, we didn't need Disney for that. 
Well, he didn't. But they had. Well, so that's the thing. They had the money to do this, though. Like that's the thing that sucks. Is like Disney made great choices of choosing franchises that people loved, but whose studios were failing. Lucas Arts was actually losing a lot of money when they bought them. No, they were doing stuff. Like what? It just yeah. wasn't very good. Well, I mean, besides, I mean, well, let's see. They basically gave up. Basically, video games tanked. They set a licensing deal that basically set them back forever. Um, obviously, the prequels, as much as people don't like them, they still made quite a bit of money. And then, outside of that, what else do we have from Star Wars? The, it's mainly the books and the games that they were doing at the time. And they did have. Well, the sequel trilogy was in development at the time too. Or like yeah. it was talked about. Yeah, prior to the to the thing. Prior to the merger, yeah. yeah. And then Marvel was actively putting out their they were actively putting out stuff in the entertainment sector, but like comics have always been a bad business. Like this isn't even a new thing. Well, yeah, which is why people were like surprised this happened. Why it wasn't because basically they evolved from comic to movies. They just actually yeah were no, but I, I I think people have a right to be surprised because if you look at you know uh, you know the Sam Raimi Spider Man like that like that and Batman. Is like the only comic book movies we had. Fantastic Four is okay, I guess. Oh, so you're talking about like good movies that we well, had. I mean, yeah, we're talking about like good movies, that's fair, but I mean, like the, the Fantastic Four movies still eventually made money. The first yeah. one, first two. Well, but but that's what I'm saying though. Like what I think to Adrian's point, he's saying people say that this shouldn't have happened because the groundwork for things being like a franchise this big, all working in unison and actually being good. Yeah, it was like something that they didn't m- think would happen. It's less about moving to movies and more about actually producing a franchise that has well, had the success and because we were in that. that but we're talking that about like trio a- that movie trio period, like where you get three movies in a franchise and then that's it, we're done. But yeah. we're also talking about like what we're going over right now: licensing. What other franchise has this many characters to even play with? Technically, those were a part of that franchise. Yeah, they could have done and it. That, they just didn't want to. Like, at this no, but when the they're talking no, because they didn't even have Spider-Man rights at the time. Marvel didn't even have all these rights at the time. All these right rights are split up all, all around the place. The easiest example for that is for having that many is Fox. Fox's studios have a crap ton of rights because they own every single X-Men. Every single X-Men, so long as that X-Men isn't used within the Avengers continuity, they And they made like nine, ten movies. Yeah. And they haven't done that well, and people. You don't say like that, it. Yeah, but I guarantee I mean, it, people are still going to show up to watch whatever the crap movie they're releasing in June is. But I think the difference is like if you look at them trying to expand into kind, of, and I have this is like one of my but why those like X Men tried to do what the MCU has done in terms of kind, mm-hmm. kind of creating a universe when they went back to do like Wolverine Origins and like give you know Wolverine yeah. his own thing with a huge big tie in and then they try to do Days of Future's Past was okay and then it's just kind of like a mess now cuz they just didn't do it well enough yeah. so like so I get people what you're tried saying. to do things but it just didn't work i mean i, I yeah, get what you're saying like, we're trying I get to do you're... it but i mean like i said they still made 10 movies it still made a lot no, of money and we're still going to get it fine them. what i but what i'm saying though is within the public consciousness we don't look back at those movies and be like oh these were fucking great mo-, or oh these were great movies no, we don't think that. So when people say that this shouldn't have happened, it's that like everything before it, we don't have top tier movies because at this point, like Marvel is producing genuinely just good movies as well as comic book movies. 
So, like, I understand what you're saying from a logical sense. The progression in medium in in media is towards film and television. So that's that's the logical step. And what you're saying is comic book movies existed before the MCU. I get that. But I don't think that there is anything that equals the MCU in what it has been able to accomplish. And it, it's going to come up again. DC tried to replicate what the MCU has accomplished and failed. Miserable. Well, depending on how we go, and they made a shit ton of money. And then they scrapped everything because of how bad the fan reception was. And that's why they're redoing their entire universe. They've also everything. not made nearly as much money as the MCU has. Or even well, like I guess it depends on X-Men how we get has and X-Men's yeah. bad. Well, I guess we're also talking about yeah. two different time frames either, too. Yeah. Because no, Batman vs. Superman outsells like a ton of MCU movies. Yeah, no, that's fair. But then it also has one of the largest drop-offs in second weekend sales. Yeah, so there's a lot of... Of any okay. movie. Yeah. But but what I but what I'm saying is essentially the Batman versus Superman universe is that 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 was starting isn't around anymore because they scrapped all the movies that were supposed to tie in with it. And like essentially Marvel is something that they haven't had to scrap those plans like they just keep building on something because they've executed it well. Yeah. Granted, there are things like Thor the Dark World and Captain Marvel that I don't think are great movies, but given their 22 movie like existence that is unheard of because you have a franchise that has been so overwhelmingly loved large and dwarfs anything else in money yeah i mean because, I, yeah, I think i think to kind of like money, put it into but... perspective even if, even if we're not looking at just the movies like if we look at what the mcu has spawned in general so we have by the time this recording comes up the next day, you should be in your seats watching um, Endgame. So 22 movies with 23 when we have Spider-Man Far From Home. So 22 11... movies. Hmm? So 22 movies. I swear. And this is yeah, why but... people think that Matt hates everything because he just comes in and like acts like <laughs> 23 because it's on the docket and we know like the at least the year. That's why I put it in here. Um, yeah. 11 shows with four more to come on Disney+. Plus. Five short films, two digital series, 32 in-universe comic tie-ins with almost 70 issues released so far, nine video game uh, tie-ins, and all within an 11-year time span since the release of Iron Man 1. Like, no other other media has that kind of power in that short amount of time. Because I even think if you you even just compare this directly to Star Wars and franchises, the Marvel, the MCU has way more. Yeah, even with like the Disney merger, Marvel's still pumping mm-hmm. out more more things, which is kind of crazy. Um, yeah. And since we're like on money, we'll we'll just jump into the but why those. I think we're getting into kind of like the meat of like why, um, you know how how it's compared. Because it's kind of hard like not to kind of compare these big franchises when we're um, this big. But just Batman is his own franchise. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Batman's really weird looking up, and it really sucks. Like when I take a lot of like the box office stuff for like a lot of the franchises I do, it is weird because of like how people classify franchise. Because yes, Batman does fall in its own, and then hey, Batman I gets kind of crazy, and too. then Batman gets thrown in with like other movies as well. Um, same thing. We are getting to the point too with that of like Captain Marvel, or not Captain Marvel, but we are getting the point of Captain America and Iron Man kind of do the almost the exact same thing with their like with Iron Man's three movies and Captain America's supposed three movies. So yeah, like that. That's a 
I don't. I will take. I will die on the hill that Captain America doesn't have three. Oh, movies. I will too. That movie has that, one movie in an ensemble. Yeah, cast. like I yeah. like people always say that's the best trilogy. No, it's not. It's not even a trilogy. Like, yeah. He's literally like, oh, maybe. In okay, they could have called that name, movie literally anything, and it would have yeah. been fine. <laughs> in name, in name alone, Captain America has the best trilogy. But I don't necessarily think that Captain America is a trilogy, and that's why it's the best trilogy. Like Civil yeah. War is easily not a Captain America movie, and then Winter Soldier, no. depending on how you want to classify with how many people are in that movie, can be almost an ensemble movie as well. Yeah, but nobody yeah. calls him Robin in it, so. <laughs> um, so we'll just jump into the, the financials because we're talking about it a little bit. So no other franchise is like as financially successful when it comes to the movies than the MCU. And we have this kind of worldwide and we even have it domestically adjusted for inflation. So highest, highest grossing movie franchise of all time. And it really isn't even close when you look at the worldwide numbers. So um, 18.5 billion worldwide as of today, you know, April 18th. Um, and it will certainly probably almost definitely be way more than this. It's projected to top because it's getting a simultaneous release for Endgame. It's projected to have the largest of any sort of opening. Yeah, like, it destroyed like the pre-sale numbers. So it's it's going to be yeah. huge. So it's going to definitely be more than $18.5 billion, um, come April 25th. Uh, and then number two worldwide is Star Wars at $9.3 So almost, you know, over almost $10, 10 billion more come come next week. And even if we look at the numbers adjusted for inflation domestically here... MCU is still number one. So MCU domestically adjusted for inflation, 7.5 billion with 21 movies. 7.8. 7.8, sorry. Uh, Star Wars is 7.5 billion with 11 movies. And this counts the Clone Wars animated movie. Uh, James Bond at 5.7 billion with 26 movies. Harry Potter, 3.6 billion with 12 movies. And for whatever reason, Batman is classified on this list at 3.3 billion with 17 movies like like i said it is crazy like when you look up batman of all things with like everything superman's another one that's a weird one that does that as well yeah that's true so i do want to point out that adrian has included a handy dandy graph of a graph of the of these for the one thing i do love this actual website that you pulled this graph from by the way Right, it's it's a good website. It's, I like it better than Box eat Office your, Mojo. Actually. Yeah, eat your heart out, Box Office Mojo. The this one has graphs. Com. I actually like this one. I use this one. I end up using this one more than Box Office more times. So I will say, if you are a Patreon patron, you get at any level you get access to our research notes, so you you can see this pretty graph. But what I like about this graph is because it takes into consideration time. Now I know that the MCU has, with the exception of James Bond, has the highest number of movies. But if you just look at the graph and just how, like, steep that, like, shoot up is for the MCU, like, that's pretty crazy. Because, like, the these other numbers have gotten, have happened over time. And the MCU is just, like, bam. Bam, bam. Yeah. And over time, meaning, like, since before. I mean, I can kill this with another statistic of, I still think, uh, if we actually pull in ticket numbers. Movie prices. Yeah. Because ticket-wise, like, the reason, like, the the funny thing we talk about this is MCU double Star Wars worldwide. Once you adjust it for inflation domestically, it's only 0.3 behind, or basically, like, 300 million behind. I was trying to find, like, a different way to kind of, like, convey, even though Star Wars has been around longer, why 
its financial power still means more. And I think if you look at the um the highest grossing media franchise that there are, um, and we've talked about a couple of these in different episodes. So Pokemon's still number one by far. Star Wars is one, two, three, four, five. And then MCU is 11 on this list at 29 billion. But the only thing to have come out in the same time period in the 2000s is Disney princesses. All these other ones are super old. Um, so in like the 11 years, they climbed up to almost like in the top 10 list. If you're just looking at box office, media sales, um, home entertainment, comic volumes, um, 11 on the list and all of this other stuff has been around since, you know, the forties, the sixties, the seventies, um, Harry Potter, you know, the late nineties. Um, but MCU is the only one who's come out in the last 20 years to even come close to any of this stuff. So when we move away from like kind of the money, because obviously like a, cause come no matter like how, no matter what happens in Endgame, everyone's just going to talk about how much money it makes, um, come Monday. So I just want to get that out of the way first, because I think the really big thing that it does, and we kind of talked about this a little bit already. Um, I don't think any franchise comes close in, to, in terms of like the world building to be able to string along 11 movies and do it in a way where you have such a concise timeline and it still works really well. Um, and I think the decision to take the MCU into phases and like have this stuff planned out in like 2006, 2007, and like know that you were going to have this super long timeline is one of the best decisions I think they, that they could have made. Um, because it allows them to plan their stories out way in advance. So you kind of know what's going to happen and it allows them to adjust when, you know, things like Spider-Man pop up and you kind of adjust your plan to kind of insert movies or you can just like adjust and kind of add things in based on like the coming of the times because we're in a much different, I guess not much different, but like we're in a different spot now in 2019 than we were in 2008. Like, I don't know how, I mean, public opinion might not have been as good as positive to Black Panther in 2010 as it was in what 2018 um so i think planning this stuff out and kind of adjusting with times is one of the best ways that they could have done this and where a lot of other companies have failed and so in case you forget or have forgotten kind of how all of these phases work out we've recently found out that this first three phases of the mcu is called the infinity saga so phase one like a comic book yeah exactly it's great <laughs> Uh, phase one has Iron Man one, the incredible Hulk, Iron Man two, Thor, Captain America, the first Avenger and Avengers. Phase two is Iron Man three, Thor, dark world, Captain America, the winter soldier, guardians of the galaxy one, um, age of Ultron and Ant-Man. So how do we Looking judge, phase... how do we judge phase two? Yeah. Phase like reading that off phase two. How did they make it past Phase 2? Was it just the Winter Soldier just carried that whole well, thing? Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy, Galaxy carried Gar- it? No, the Ant-Man. So I can't even say Ant-Man. So I didn't okay. watch it in the theater. Yeah, exactly. you waited so, so long to see that one. Yeah, that's fair. But no, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 1 is great. And so is uh, the Winter Soldier. And I think I, I honestly think that the Russo brothers, that's the answer. Yeah, the Russo brothers carried them through Phase 2. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So Phase 3, we have Captain America Civil War. What a way to kick off your Phase 3. Uh, also, wait. Are you sure Ant Man ends phase two? Because I thought they ended every. Uh, I thought they ended every phase with an Avengers. Well, I That's think. What I well, I thought Age from... of I thought Age of Ultron was supposed to be the ending, but they threw an Ant Man, and so I thought that was in there. 
Okay, that yeah, because it came out like okay. what, like four months, five months after. They just kind of threw it in there, and I think they needed yeah, a spot it... to put it in there, and I think they really want to start Fate Three with Civil War, so they just kind of yeah, which makes more sense. Okay. I think yeah. starting off with Civil War is better than yeah, it's fine, it's fine. It worked out for them. Uh, so Phase Three, Captain America: Civil War, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy Two, Spider Man: Homecoming, Thor: Ragnarok, Black Panther, Infinity War, Ant Man and the Wasp. Captain uh, Captain Marvel, and then we're finishing off Phase Three with Endgame. That is a phase, right there. Lot. And then we don't know what the next saga is called, but we know that Spider Man Far From Home is kicking off Phase Four, and that's kind of all. And then you'll have uh, the Eternals is the next one, uh, or it's it un, it's Eternals, Untitled Black Widow movie, and Shang Chi. Yeah, so we got a nice little Phase Four lining up here. So with far. some untitled projects too. Yeah, and then whatever happens on Disney Plus, I guess, if they decide to tie stuff yeah. in and care about, you know, yeah, all that. So I will say too, and it was one of the things that I heard that Kevin Feige told uh, the director of Ant Man because I watched I watched Ant Man and then I watched the the director's commentary at the end, um, and he was saying that when he took out when he took over Ant Man, because um, there's another director before him, but like um, when he took over Ant Man. Essentially, what Kevin Feige said was, make this your movie, but make sure that it's a Marvel movie. So, like, essentially, like, his his approach to that was, like, oh, this is going to be a heist movie. This is going to be, this is going to be a, and in each, I I firmly believe that each Marvel film is a, is a, is a genre film as well as a superhero film on top of it. And I think that's why they do so well. Um, but he, essentially like the, the thing is to like make your film, but understand that you're a part of something bigger and don't just make it so small. Um, and that's also one of the reasons why, um, after credit scenes will get shot by different directors, often the ones from the next movie that will have that person in stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so I think that's one of the things that like really helps with this continuity and world building is that like every director that comes on has to be like, okay, there's something bigger than just my movie. Yeah. And I think the fact that everybody is working together towards that larger goal, it's what helps. It's a, it's the same reason why you end up with good uh, comic book tie-ins is if everybody understands that they're working towards something bigger and then you end up with Civil War Two, where everything is all on its own and also together and doesn't work. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we have a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about that a little bit more in depth when we kind of talk about their decision, like Kevin Feige's decision, like people, like their decision to pick directors who hadn't really done anything crazy and kind of like the comic book world and like how it, how it worked so well. Um, but just kind of wrap up this section, you know, through 21 movies, the MCU has successfully connected multiple comic book characters with their own universes with only a few duds along the way, you know, Thor, Dark World, Captain Marvel, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and even when there are characters who need their own stories to be told, they don't, for the most part, you know, just shoot home their men. I th- I think of like Black Panther, his introduction, great. Him just showing up is probably like one of the best comic book character introductions ever. Um, even throwing in Spider Man by grabbing the shield, like they, even though these are characters with established universes, they introduce them in really interesting ways. And for the most part, give them agency. Um, and I think that works to their best advantage. And they've done it with like they've done it with Bruce Banner, like yeah. Mark Ruffalo has said he's not going to get a solo movie. Like, and I think that's actually tied in because of uh, Paramount owning some of the rights. But, um, like they've developed Bruce Banner as an amazing character, even though he's a side character. Yeah. Um, 
and we've kind of already talked about this a little uh, a little bit already. So I don't think we have to talk about it too much. But we we've seen other comic back other comic uh, book franchises. You know, whether it be DC EU, are they still calling themselves that? Or is it no, or? they're officially the worlds of DC, and the execs said they never branded themselves the DC EU. Oh, fans did. Oh, okay. You know, even so it was never an established universe. They're just backtracking everything. Uh, you know, X Men. You know, with the addition of like the whole um, past things. I don't know if y'all are going to be there day one for Dark Phoenix, but I probably won't. Um, tried to restart Spider Man with Andrew Garfield Spider Man, and then Sony's Marvel Universe, which is might Venom, which might work because Venom made a lot of money, but I don't foresee it. You know, being this successful. And they just haven't been able to re- replicate the formula, even though like it's kind of was already kind of laid out, and they still just couldn't do it um, for some of those franchises. And even if you look past just comics, and we focus on like people who try or like, franchises who try to do like period continuity, like this is all one thing in one string. I'm not talking about like Star Trek, or I'm not talking about you know Star Wars that has you know decades and decades of like continuity, but like. All this stuff has happened in the last eleven years. So if we look at you know the dark universe, is that still even a thing? No. Are we still? No. Did you no, watch the Mummy? No. That should never the be a thing. <laughs> I still uh, don't know what Tom Cruise is at the end of that movie. Yeah, you know, they tried to do the Jump Street Men in Black thing. That didn't even get. Well, that was a past terrible idea. In the, the production first place. room. Uh, they tried really hard with the King Arthur franchise. Um, the Monster of the Universe. The one movie they did. Yeah, they, the one movie they did. They that greenlit the second one. That was supposed to be a. Okay. <laughs> just did, just didn't happen. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, no, they, that. So the King Arthur, the one with um, the guy from Sons of Sons that, of Anarchy. Yeah, yeah that Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, with him. Um, that they had initially signed up and written the majority of the six movies that it was supposed to be, and then the movie bombed. Yeah. Sure. Um, I'll throw I'll throw Transformers in there as well as like one who it's hard to throw Transformers in there because they made way more money than any of these other universes, yeah. but they are also just not doing. Now I'm well sad thinking about that now too. Uh. So to be honest, I also think that this is like the, I think that there's like a different thing happening here too. Like I think there's a difference between like a, a franchise that deals with the same characters each movie, and then um, there's a shared universe which has characters from separate stories interacting with each other like they exist in the world i i see what you're saying but i think like dark universe could have been something yeah good. no that that would have been a shared universe dark universe was supposed to be a shared universe they were supposed they were trying to rec- replicate the here's an introduction to all of them and now uh, the mummy's gonna have their own and uh invisible man's gonna have his own which is apparently still happening but yeah it's not a part but of then i think if like i'm i'm very hopeful for monsterverse but the yeah. first Godzilla movie really hurt me. Like, really, really hurt me. Oh, that movie is and... so bad. But they heard your complaints, and now you're getting all the kaiju. <laughs> we don't know that. For all we know, all we saw was the trailers is all the kaiju we get. And then we got to focus on a bunch of stupid little people. I love Michael Doherty, so I'm just going to... And, and, like, the Michael Doherty is the horror director from Trick or Treat and Krampus, and essentially he has, like, all these creatures, and the people are there, but it it's, like it's the world that he built with the creatures and stuff in those movies that are so great. So um, I'm hoping that he... No, it looks like it's going to be great. It's just one of those, I'm not... Yeah, but so did Godzilla That's one. what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying I'm trusting him not to make it all about... I do not trust anybody on a Godzilla movie till after it comes out and I see it because they've ruined so many of the last... That's fair. Yeah. You don't like Matthew Broderick? It, it wasn't that great. What, yeah. the baby raptors at If I get, if I get Channing Tatum again in Godzilla, but with Brian Cranston... Wait, Channing Tatum was... 
Uh, no, Brian, uh, they're like, oh, look at Brian Cranston. He did interviews yeah. for that movie. Spoiler alert: He's in the movie for like 15 minutes, guys. Um, and then to kind of wrap this up, I kind of threw I kind of threw GI Joe in there because I was really excited for like the GI Joe kind of you know spinoff universe thing, and they just didn't work. Then they made that second movie that was awful. Yeah, then they tried to reboot it again, and it also just didn't work. Um, hey, Fast and the Furious is a shared universe now because they have their first non uh, like outside the family movie happening. Yeah, with um, a bunch of people that are not even in the original F- Fast and the Furious, and it's gonna make stupid amounts of hey, money. Hey, man. They're they're in phase two. <laughs> they're in their phase two. <laughs> that first saga's done. We're we're in the next saga already. I thought that f- saga ended after the third one when they got away from the cars. Matt, stop. <laughs> Shut your mouth, Matt. You want to talk about numbers? No, I'm just kidding. Um, you want to talk about why numbers don't matter? <laughs> <laughs> you want to know what matters? Familia. So I think I think we kind of talked about like these other franchises not doing kind of like the same things. Um, so we'll just kind of move on to the kind of character development stuff of why the continuity works. So even like the formula is good, you know, they nail the formula, but the, I don't think it works. Even if you have the formula, if you don't get the characters right, and we kind of talked about this at the very beginning that this group knows how to tell the stories of their characters. Um, and they authentically care about it. Like you can feel it in the movies that they care about um, the properties that they're, they're working with. They're not just trying to like make their own thing. They're like, Hey, we know fans love these things. Let's try to be true to that and put our own little spin on it and not just like change the whole universe, which is something that we've seen in other franchises. With the exception of three movies in Marvel's canon, Thor, Thor two and Captain Marvel. Those are three movies that really like when you, when you watch everything, they don't work with like they they don't take into account a shared universe for the most part um and they like they're also the ones that i think there are the least amount of character development and stuff inside it yeah those are those are the duds i referred to earlier because i agree yeah. those aren't care i don't i mean we're probably gonna get at it for the captain marvel i don't the care entire arc with like the entire because at least iron man 3 has the entire arc with tony stark Finally getting into his alcoholism, his PTSD. Like, the Mandarin reveal is terrible, and that's a terrible third act. But the front half of that movie does really good in character building Tony and understanding the the journey he's been on since the first one. And, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic segue into, like, the next piece of this. Is they care about these characters, and they write them so well that even throughout the series, like they're allowed to grow and not just kind of fall into kind of one dimensional, you know, pegs for the most part, right? We do have, you know, some who haven't had a lot of development, but if you look at Tony, Captain America, Black Panther, Wanda, Nebula, Rocket, like any character I can think of, like from the main cast who are kind of like the main important characters aren't the same as when we first meet them. Um, and I think you yeah. nailed it with like Tony, like Tony 2008 to uh, Iron Man three, Tony, not the same. And even though Black Panther doesn't have a whole bunch of character development, he's not like the guy who's trying to seek revenge on everybody. He Well, even like Black Panther grew a crap ton yeah. in that one movie. I'm just, like, I, in that I, one I, I, movie he's just not yeah. the best part of that movie. And I'm just I never get past that. No, part. I mean Civil War. Oh, Civil War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in Civil War. No, yeah, yeah. Right. Well that that's what I'm saying, because in Civil War he has his entire growth and then uh Black Panther is more of a Wakanda movie, which is fine because I love it. I love Black Panther. Um, but he he's not the best part of that movie. The world that Ryan Coogler builds out in Black Panther is the best part yeah. of that movie. 
Um, but no, I mean, I, I think you're completely right. Cause if you think about, I mean, I think there are definitely characters that don't get a lot of development, but I, I think that when they don't get a lot of development, um, they know that they don't. So like, uh, Black Widow had, t she was, she had terrible development, great fighting, terrible development until the Winter Soldier. And then you actually get to understand and go into who she is as a character. So I think, at least with me, when it comes to them putting in a character and not making them fleshed out initially, they've kind of earned my trust to know that they're going to do it down the line. Yeah, for sure. Um, and even like with ensemble movies, like these movies have a lot of characters in them, but because they, because we trust them to to do quality things with the personalities, when we do have those big character moments on screen, I feel like they mean so much more in the arcs. And I don't, I mean, this is going to be on one comparison to... Gosh darn, Batman v Superman. But the whole Martha reveal has nowhere near the impact or like the weight after like two hours that, you know, he killed my mom moment does in Civil War because we've seen the characters grow rather than kind of like rushing in to have those big moments. Um, and a lot of that just comes from the arcs. It's not something that we expect um, and means more because we spent so much time with the characters. For all of these years. Yeah. And I, I, as much as I don't like Captain Marvel, which I think has come across clear um, this episode from all of us, I, I do trust that. I think that, I think the, I think that Captain Marvel was just rushed. And if you look back on Thor's, like Thor's placement in a lot of these things, those initial movies felt rushed as well. And I, like, Marvel was able to take two terrible movies where I did not care about Thor don't like him at all and then give me thor ragnarok where i was like oh wow this is amazing he is a great character and then in, in infinity war just wreck my heart because yeah. he took everything away from him and so as much as i don't like captain marvel i am hopeful like it's not like another franchise where it's like like it, akin to Star Wars, it's not like Cap. It's I'm I've lost all hope with Phasma. I've, <laughs> I've lost all hope with Phasma, Don't and do it, it hurts. Um, but I still have hope for Captain Marvel, Ambrie Larson, and I'm excited to see her in Endgame because I think that that was a director and a directing and writing failure, not necessarily the character. And Thor kind of proved to me yeah. that that can happen. No, yeah, I think I think you're completely right. Like I'm. I'm expecting not like a completely different Captain Marvel, but I'm expecting like a kind of fleshed out different Marvel than Captain Marvel than we saw in the movie. Um, mainly because there's time has passed and you know, she just looks different just in general. But yeah, I think, I think you're right. Like they've earned our trust to have us go into those. Cause I mean, I don't know, man, I'm just thinking of like things like rocket and like Nebula and like these kind of, you know, more tertiary characters have turned into like, very big emotional tugs in the universe. Rocket in Guardians Galaxy 1. If you would have told me Rocket in Guardians Galaxy 1 was going to make me feel some things in Infinity War, I would have said, now you're crazy. You mean that he would be a dad? Yeah. I would have I would have never thought that. I thought he would have just been, you know, just a jerk and just hating everybody. Even in Guardians Galaxy 2, he has crazy character development in that one too. Um yeah, all the arcs. Just give me all the arcs. Matt, do you have any kind of favorite character arcs in the MCU? I know which ones are bad. 
Well, I think to me the bad ones stick out way worse than like the actual good ones because you're like, oh, there's a lot of people that have decent arcs, or at least it seems like they do some development. Whereas it's more, I guess it's one of those that sticks out and more comes to the surface of like, ooh, this is nothing versus like, this is a common commodity, I guess. Like what? Like good, good is always what we get. Yeah, so. right. Like when good's almost yeah. your average, or at least like you know above average is you know. You have the above average to good, which you have a majority, and so when you have something that really sticks out, or you know that's below that, it really sticks out. Like what? What's an example of what from from the MCU? I mean, I I get Iron Man's. It was good. I don't like. I don't know. Obviously, I don't care for what they've done with Tony in the last few movies, but obviously the first. That he's a dad. Yeah, that's terrible. I on it, like I said, we were, I don't know what you want me to say. Like, I personally don't like a lot of the direction they've gone with a lot of this stuff in Endgame, probably the last movie at this point. But, cutting that out, um, I mean, I like what they did with Iron Man for the most part, and you saw this nice thing, but obviously that's been a long time. Captain America, you kind of see develop, and you have with the whole, I like what Alex says, the political trilogy they have, that Avengers have. Um, that one's pretty yeah. cool with Captain America and Black, and uh, not Black Panther, um, Black Widow. Um, Black Panther, I'm interested to see, but like we said, he's not even the best person in his movie, so it's kind of, to me, like, I mean, I guess he gets growth, but I mean, you're not even the best person in the movie named after you. Um, Guardians, we have one more, so we'll see what happens. I don't care about Spider-Man at all. Um, yeah, I don't... Dr. Strange. Well, I mean, we're gonna get a second Dr. Strange, but I don't know when and how long it's gonna be. I mean, I enjoyed Dr. Strange, and I think it's very slept on, considering how... Like, people throw, like to throw out money and stuff. Like, that movie is really actually highly rated. It's highly rated a lot. It's up there in actually the top rated uh, MCU movies. People just don't talk about it. Um, but, I, I mean, I don't know. There's some good arcs. I mean, like I said, the bad one to me took out way worse. Thor at the beginning is terrible. Captain Marvel's right now is awful. Um, some of the Guardians we had, people, we weren't really sure what we were doing because they were kind of a, a man thing. We don't know what we're going to get from Hope at this point because she's just kind of thrown in there. Um. So I, actually, I, I I think you're right. I didn't actually know anything about those Guardians. I think Guardians may be the only movie where the secondary cast don't get a lot done with them. It's it's all Quill all the time in those. Right. Um, I know. Yeah. Although hmm? I know people don't like it, but Infinity War did give... Gamora. Yeah, no, we had something with Gamora. Obviously, the second one, we had the whole Gamora Nebula thing, which I didn't really care for that much. I didn't think it was as good as what we wanted. It was a little weird, um, which we've talked about with some of the flaws in that movie, even though I think overall it's a pretty good movie. Uh, Wanda and Vision we had decently, but I guess we'll figure out what's going to go with there. Which we're get, like I said, yeah. we're going to get a lot of like the side stuff with these new shows, which we're just going to keep adding and adding and adding. So like at this point, like, does it really matter what we get in the movies? I mean, I think it still does. And I, I think the fact that they're still going to keep some of these older characters alive, too, like, and I don't mean necessarily alive, but like they're, they're still going to be there. Um, I think they kind of understand the weight either... Maybe not the weight that the characters have, because I do think that, like, other than Loki, it's kind of, like, it's, it's like, B-tier, or, like, yeah, it's tertiary characters from the Marvel Universe, but I think, at least with the movies, I think Disney understands that those are characters who have kind of gotten, like, the shortest stick, right? The only character that I'm probably disappointed in that I've wanted more for a while would probably be Falcon. I think Anthony Mackie's done a fantastic job with Falcon, and actually really, he's probably up there at this point with, like, my favorite characters, and I feel like yeah. he's been very shorted for what he's done. 
But obviously, like you said, we're getting things. I don't care about Bucky at this point. Like, I never did. I thought people overhyped Bucky for what he is. But I, I think he... He has a supermodel walk, and he is captured. That's literally about it. Like I said, at this point... That's his whole personality. <laughs> he falls into my one-dimensional character thing. The dude has... He's, oh, my God. People like him because he's hot, and that's about it. Like, nothing else I care about. I like him. I like him. Because of what he does for Cap, and that is the last visage of what Cap had. Did you see what and Falcon did for Cap? He... That's fine. I I love Cap and Falcon too. But what I'm saying is, like, this is it. The moment Bucky is gone, Cap has lost everything, and now he is a fi- he he is completely out of his time and completely out of everything he's ever known. And so, like, Bucky works as that grounding piece for him. And that's why he always goes so hard for him. Doesn't um, even remember so him. That's why I like it. For, like, half of his movies. That doesn't mean... So and he killed my stopped, mom. If, so if Stefani stopped remembering you, would you not try to get her back and still have her in your life? Me to me to Stefani isn't the I don't think that's the uh, they made a movie about that here. Kate had um what's his name I think <laughs> yes, Channing Tatum's actually our relationship in that movie. is a little bit different I think Channing Tatum's actually in that movie you're referring to Kate <laughs> I'm just saying no like Bucky and him have a very deep relationship and they've had it since childhood okay I guess you you and your like your best friend I've if I've had this discussion with other people. You. If me and one of my best friends was in the situation that Cap was with Bucky, where he was like risking his like the entire like world basically for Bucky, I don't know if I'd do it. I don't. I don't. But know. the difference was is he wasn't risking the entire world for Bucky because they cured it. Bucky, and then the entire world was trying to kill Bucky, and Bucky didn't even do it and say and he trusted him. Then why did you run? <laughs> they also made another movie about that, Adrian. It's called um. <laughs> there's another movie that made that with Tommy Lee Jones called The Fugitive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, I love them. Now, I that being said, he is a one-dimensional character, but I think he does a lot more in these movies than what it's given credit to. The only difference is, is he his development is tied directly to Cap, and he hasn't he can't stand on his own. Versus another character that you can have that comes out and stands on their own. I just hope Rocket gets his arm eventually. That's all I want. <laughs> no. So we kind of talked about this like a little bit before, but I think one of the, I think slept on generally because now that like we know that the Russo brothers are dope, like when the Russo brothers were announced, I'm like the community guys, those dudes, those are the dudes who are doing our thing. Um, yeah. They've taken, you know, directors and even some of the actors like aren't people that we would have thought of um in retrospect to make this happen so i'll go through a couple of them and we can talk about them you know whichever one you want to talk about throughout this list but like the Russo brothers prior to winter soldier had done community talking about like directing directing wise had done community along with a bunch of other tv series um taika watiti had done who had done ragnarok um before this had done hunter um hunt for the wilder people for the wilder wilder people wilder people yeah i always mess that up and boy and what we do in the shadows i mean even Feige, like he had seen an eagle versus shark yeah uh faggy had seen boy and i was like dude this is the dude we want for our movie like he hadn't even seen hunter for the wilder people yet he had seen boy and i was like yeah that's the guy who's going to direct thor ragnarok um john Fav- so, 
I will say, so we can stop and talk, like, I, I do think that one of the reasons why they did pick Taika is because of the humor. And because if uh, some of his first, like, his, um, what do you do in the, what we do in the shadows and Eagle versus Shark are two, like, really, really, really great, um, like, comedic pieces that aren't too comedic. Like, they're comedic in yeah. a serious way that and it almost parodies and so i think if you're revamping it it'd be great but if you don't know who taika is you're kind of like why the hell is this man directing the thor movie yeah i mean even from there we have john favreau for iron man definitely one of my top three top five mc movies uh his big movie before this was elf um people people love elf apparently so i love elf but if you like when the elf guy is doing the first comic book movie of the MCU, that's some scary stuff, man. Like it takes it takes some balls to kind of want to go through with that that director choice. And then he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna put myself in the movie." Uh, like it's all this. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. Own, and I love it. Don't make fun of Happy. He got his own poster. Oh God. <laughs> um, Scott Dickerson before Doctor Strange had done a bunch of horror stuff that I'm sure Kate knows about that I don't. Uh, Sinister Exorcism of Emily Rose, Liver from Evil, and some other stuff that I'm sure I'm from getting, and I left off of here because I didn't know what the movies were. Um, James Gunn, prior to Guardians of the Galaxy, had done Slither, and then some show called PG Porn. I don't know what it was about, but I clicked on. And he also wrote the script for Scooby Doo. Yep. Yeah, and Scooby Doo, and Scooby Doo, which was also going to be its own cinematic universe that oh, you know didn't really pan out. Uh, Peyton Reed, prior to Ant-Man, had done Bring It On, The Breakup, and Yes Man. And this was supposed to be Edgar Wright. Yeah, and we'll I have that in the kind of controversies. That was okay. supposed to be Edgar Wright, which is, I don't know. And then finally, Ryan Coogler did Black Panther. Before Black Panther, his only real big movie before that was Creed, which is, I guess, kind of similar in, in terms of like its um, tone and, and such, uh, but still not Ryan a comic Coogler, book movie, per se. Yeah, I would say Ryan Coogler was probably the most... Um, the I guess like the person with the most kind of like eye to direct Black Panther, um, because he also did Fruitvale Station, um, and so the a lot of like the actual like stuff that he brings in with um with Killmonger, I think it, yeah. it helps that he did those. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was hesitant to put him on here, but he was it, he was wasn't. Yeah. I mean, he's he wasn't not a billion... comic book movie director. Yeah, exactly. Or and... even like a they're even like a flick director, right? Yeah, like he's still. Yeah, um, and so for like for many like of the later comic book movies, like they're still choosing to go with these kind of directors to kind of basically like you said earlier, Kate, like make their genre film in the comic book world, and they easily could have tapped people who were already had success in the genre. Like as much as we don't want to see it, like they could have asked Zack Snyder to do one. No. They could have asked Christopher Nolan. They could have done Sam Raimi. They could have done. Um, Stephen Norton. They could have even pulled, you know, Guillermo del Toro for for some of these movies if they really, really wanted to. Um, but the original community like saw some of their smaller works and then brought them in because they thought they could bring something special to the movie. And you can just look up, you know, Feige interviews of him saying like, "Oh, I saw this one independent movie that they did, and we thought that he'd be perfect for um, one of our most profitable movies ever." Um, yeah, and I think for me, like, this is, like, one of the biggest reasons that despite, like, the Marvel formula knocks, like, every movie is the same, even though, like, the Marvel formula is, like, just storytelling. Um, <laughs> each film feels like it's just a little bit... beginning, middle, and end yeah, together God, with I the narrative. I hate that so much. Like, oh, it's... Yeah. 
Um, even like to spark like that knock, like each film does feel different. And it isn't just one director running the show where they could have easily just fell, fell into like, oh, the Russos, you direct everything. And yeah, that's it. How many sky beams do we get with in the, in the MCU? Uh, they kind of stop after. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I don't even want to count. We haven't had one in a while. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, and it makes me really happy. <laughs> because sky beams for a while was a big thing in comic book movies in general. And I'm just kind of kind of over it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to add anything more, Kate, especially like from like the horror director perspective, because I know like horror directors are having success outside of their genre right, right now, and I don't know if like the MCU's success helps that, or if I'm just kind of reading into it too much. But yeah. So I would say, um, so Sam, so horror directors have always done comic book movies really well. So Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi, um, made his claim to fame with Evil Dead, GDP. Um, and then just like looking into like, uh, Scott Dickerson, you had, uh, the guy who crap, I forgot his name, but the guy who directed Shazam, like just overall, like for me, and I actually have an article about this up on the site, but whythepodcast.com. Um, I think the reason horror movie directors or horror genre directors make good comic book movies is because they understand the visuals in a different way than other people do. Um, so color and scene composition come into play a whole bunch in horror, mainly because you're having to hide stuff within your foreground, middle ground, um, backgrounds to surprise, to scare, to thrill. And I think because they can utilize those elements and essentially know how to make it look pretty and look, um, kind of be in like that middle ground, um, I think that that's what help that 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 is what helps them do well. They're also really good at telling convoluted stories, um, which comic books are convoluted stories. They're very convoluted. Um, and then I think too, like just by the nature of villains and antagonists and coming from comics, creature design is really important for a lot of comic books. So you have to be able to build out the evil on the other end to make your hero be even more triumphant. And I think like. Um, I don't know if I would say the MCU's like pushing it because I I think uh, the DCU has more horror the uh, the world of DC has more horror directors now and I think they've always existed but I think that it's definitely one of those things that um, more horror directors are getting tapped and I think success is like what has come from the DCU or the sorry what has come from the MCU have helped it in that way. Cool. Thanks for your insight, Kate. I yeah. I didn't really know. I didn't want to talk on it, so I kind of. Yeah, but technically, James Gunn is also a horror director, or he started out as one. Yeah, but he also did a show called PG Porn. PG Porn. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I want to you know watch a pilot or something. Um, if we even go back to if we we look at some of these actors, like some of these actors weren't you know primed to be you know some of the biggest stars. Um, I'm hesitant to put Robert Downey Jr. because we kind of talked about it in episode 48 of Iron Man, like he was on his comeback. But if you would have told me that Harry from Kiss Kiss Bang Bang would be one of the biggest stars on the planet, I don't think that I would have believed you um, back then. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is Black Widow. Nothing really amazing or kind of before the MCU, maybe like the prestige, maybe probably that's like even something that's so far away from what Black Widow. Yeah. Is. So like, that's like her only really big, you know, good. I use air quotes for like, for that, but like the procedure is probably like her biggest role before that. Chadwick Boseman is Black Panther, a lot of TV roles, and then probably his biggest things before getting tapped for Black Panther was his role as Jackie Robinson in 42. 
uh, Tom Holland, essentially just a kid with like a lot of um, stage stuff. Uh, Tom Hiddleston is Loki. Nothing really rung a bell other than um, Archipelago, which I guess is an okay movie. Uh, Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Basically, like prior to being George Kirk in the Star Trek reboot for like five minutes, <laughs> he was just in TV. Uh, Chris Evans is Cap. Look, this is the same dude who put whipped cream on his junk in Not Another Teen Movie in 2001. And if he dies, you know how many millions of people are going to be crying? I will be one of them. I know that he was Johnny Storm, but he's still the dude who put whipped cream on his junk in Not Another Teen Movie. And that's how when he was first cast as Cap, I was like, that dude, that dude is going to be the first Avenger, that guy. Um, and the, the list kind of just goes on and on from there. Uh, and again, kind of when you come look at the directors, they could have tapped, you know, huge stars like The Rock or Will Smith or Tom Cruise or Matthew McConaughey or like XYZ big name in the industry. But they decided to go with kind of uh, maybe lesser known actors and not just for like the big box office draw. Yeah. I mean, because if you look at that, Tom Cruise, like all those actors you just named definitely seem like they that like that that would be a traditional thought is to put them in a superhero movie. Yeah. Tessa um, Thompson wasn't in it. I think like the bulk of the MCU people or haven't been in anything. Yeah. It's just, it's just a like crazy. Gwyneth Paltrow and Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. And Chris Pratt. Yeah, and I love Bradley Cooper. But he, well, no, but no, the difference is it was with one, Bradley Cooper's playing a raccoon. You tell me you're not going to cry if that <laughs> raccoon dies? Are you going to cry if that raccoon dies? I am. No, no, no. But what, no, what I'm saying is who would have thought that you would have chosen Bradley Cooper, the star power that was around him, to play a raccoon? <laughs> and then who would have thought that you would have taken, I can't run, everything hurts, Andy Dwyer, and because that's all he had at that point. Yeah, and Andy Dwyer. Him out. And now he's that. So yeah, no, Chris Pratt counts in this list too. I love Scarlett Johansson and other stuff, but like I didn't realize that she really wasn't in anything before, you know, the MCU. Um, I'll take Tom Hiddleston in just about anything now because he's a oh, yeah. dope actor, and he really hadn't done anything before this either. Um, Chris Hemsworth still put whipped cream on his junk. And that's I mean, Chris, yeah, one of the mean Evans? Chris Evans. Chris Evans, yeah. Chris Evans put whipped cream on his junk, and that dude's one of the biggest. It's just crazy to me, crazy. Um, and then before we kind of get into some STEM stuff that Kate Kate has to talk about, I do want to at least touch on some of the controversies surrounding kind of the MCU because I think it's important to at least talk about the things that um, really aren't going too well outside of like the things where they kind of. Um, haven't developed as many characters and even, you know, how this whole Disney merger might be kind of bad in the long run. But Kate kind of talked earlier about um, them kind of sitting down with the directors and saying, hey, make your movie, but make sure it fits into the universe. And this really hasn't worked with some people or it hasn't like worked with people with actors who didn't want to kind of come along for the ride. So Terrence Howard, the original um, Rhodes wanted more money, and then they were just like, "Nah." Terrence Howard. <laughs> he would have been a f- we talked about uh, that at length in our Iron Man episode. Yeah, buddy, you were um, not, not the main person. Yeah, uh, Edward Norton, the original Hulk. We got to talk about this earlier. Apparently, people you know. still are upset about that and do not like uh, thing because apparently people really loved Ed Norton. Mark Ruffalo is so good, though. Is he? Yes. Yeah, they're just kind of the only thing that I have is like they're just kind of like different Bruce Banners. 
They are. But they if you are. just erase the the Incredible Hulk movie from your head, it doesn't really matter, I guess. Which is like a lot. Which of I do insane. all the time. I forget that that's MCU. <laughs> I mean, I don't count uh, it, but still. Uh, Patty Jenkins, the original director of Thor two. Uh, Edgar Wright, the original director of Ant Man, and of course, not necessarily like Marvel's doing, but the firing of James Gunn are all kind of like you look at their controversial things with the directors. You know, Patty Jenkins, Edward Wright. And James Gunn come to mind with things that haven't really panned out the way that they should have when it comes to them. Some other things like race changing of characters that hasn't gone over well with some camps. So Mandarin in Iron Man 3. So then the Ancient One in Doctor Strange. Uh, MJ. And then Heimdall in Thor. Apparently people were really pissed about it. Yeah, I didn't didn't really know that either until I was reading the articles. But I also didn't know the character of Heimdall before watching Thor. In terms of like how he was portrayed in the comics, they were saying like, "Oh, like Hamdel's like the whitest of the white, whitest yeah, of the I white don't... people." And I was like, "That how how are you the whitest of the white people with a bunch of white people? How does that work?" <laughs> well, I guess we know how that works. I guess. All right, but yeah, no, and that was another stupid one. People, well, I guess like stupid in retrospect because Idris Elba killed that role. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then women in the MCU again. These aren't things I believe necessarily. Just things that I saw on my yeah. uh, 40 hours of research. Uh, Black Widow being overly sexualized, plus her treatment in Age of Ultron. Mantis being, you know, bunny quotes, dumbed down from her character in the comics. Uh, Okoye not being gay. And just like the general lack of female-led movies um, in the MCU, despite how big they've gotten over the last 11 years. Yeah. I, so, I'm just, I'm just taking these one by one. Um, I do think initially Black Widow was sexualized, but she, so there's a difference between being sexualized and being objectified. Black Widow is never objectified, objectified. She still has agency, even though she's sexual. Um, and that's the whole point of her character and how she was trained. So, um, the treatment in Age of Ultron was terrible and I'm still, and I'm still pissed at that. I'm still pissed about shipping her with Bruce. And I'm still pissed that apparently if you can't have kids, you're a monster. So I'm still mad about that. Mantis was dumbed down a whole bunch. Like a whole bunch. She's actually like a, a really badass character in the comics. So are all the Guardians dumbed down at this point? Just asking? Uh, I don't, I, I don't think, actually they might be. With the yeah. exception of Gamora and Quill, I think they all are. Well, that's what I say because I know people say Mantis, but I'm like, have you seen Drax? Well, but I was so, but Drax <laughs> still has that that characteristic of like it, it, when they say dumbed down, I think they mostly yeah. mean too is like it's everything about her. Yeah, like, everything, Mantis not not just like how fight, smart she Mantis was, but like doesn't yeah how badass she is compared yeah, to yeah exactly. Comics, yeah. So like she she's nerfed, she's nerfed a whole bunch. That's what I should have said. Drax, yeah, because Drax is still like Drax is like not the smartest person on the ship. But he's still really strong and he still gets to fight. Mantis in the comics is a badass fighter and she isn't this personality that they have her like matching Drax. And so in the movie, it's not like a nerfed. She's completely nerfed and not the same character at all. Okay. I just know like it seemed like all the Guardians in general just seemed like they were just dumbed down of general. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but like like I said, I think it's just because they're focused on Quill and... Uh, Gamora so much. Yeah, I don't think that sticks because Raccoon, uh, Rocket, Gamora, and Quill pretty much are how they are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and then 
Akoya not being gay, yeah, she's gay in the comics. Um, and then yeah, it sucks we haven't had a female movie, but I've also like I don't know, like I feel like we've gotten like we've gotten a hold of it, and I'm kind of just looking for where we're going now. I think it's stupid that Kevin Feige literally sat on black on uh the Black Widow movie for so long. For that sure. was the problem. He should have pulled the pit the the trigger five years ago when it was supposed to come out. Yeah, I mean, but like you know? even we saw at the beginning, like they knew they that movie was supposed to be made forever ago before yeah. all this happened. Like we're almost twelve years into the making of like him having no more than that because they they had it back in like what two thousand five two thousand six mm-hmm. did I say like they've had it for so long. Yeah, and now it just like. Now now it feels like an afterthought. Like I didn't have a problem with them until they started rushing like until they rushed Captain Marvel to compete with Wonder Woman and until yeah. like now they're doing a Black Widow when it's already I don't care about you. Yeah, I already saw Red Sparrow. <laughs> which is it? Which is And Atomic Blonde. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Salt. And <laughs> Salt. It, dude, it, dude, Salt. <sighs> that that one's so good. Yeah. Um but yeah, no. So on those fronts, like I, I, I do think that some of them have merit. Some of them I, I don't. But I do think a lot. I do think a lot of those points do have merit. Yeah, I have one that's gonna warrant merit because you've been tweeting about it. Oh yeah, uh, is it that there are no brown people. Yeah, um, as people? as great as it is, like we still don't have a whole lot of diversity. Even though like the Marvel universe has a bunch of stuff that we could talk about, but like. Again, kind of going back to like Okoye not being gay. That's an easy one that they could have like done, but they decided to change it. Um, it was already established. Yeah, it was already established. Like you didn't have to do anything for that. Like was you didn't have to like make a big statement for that. You could have just let the character be the character. Um, Last night's rep- representation. We have Michael Pena and Zoe Zaldana as an alien. Well, so we have Tessa Thompson as Tessa Thompson. A, as, yeah, as, yeah, yeah, we have Tessa Th- Tessa Thompson's Mexican and Panamanian. Um, she so we have her as, as an Asgardian. We have Zoe Saldana as an alien. We have Alginus. So he's in. Uh, he's one of the blue guys in Captain Marvel that got no screen time at all. Um, and then Lupita Nyong'o is Mexican and Kenyan. Yeah. Um, and that should be five with Michael Pena. But Michael Pena is the only actual yeah. Latino in the entire universe. I love Michael Pena, man. Come on. Um, I think a lack of just like general Asian leads in terms of like big big characters kind of front and center um you know the same way i mean mantis wong you've named you named some additional ones as well but like no kind of staple and i can i couldn't find anyone who um fits like the native american box in terms of mm-hmm. our actors or even our superheroes um yeah, and i think and I, I think one of the things that sucks here is sadly um marvel sucks when it comes to um, like diverse heroes that aren't um, that like essentially like what Mar- Marvel's what they did for the longest time was, Oh, if we have black characters, that means we're being diverse and they stopped thinking about anybody else. So like, a, like a lot of the time um, like they did that, they do that as a catch all and it sucks and it's stupid that they do that in the comics. So like, it, it was like, I, I realized that when I was calling for like, I want, Latinos in the in, in the MCU. But I'm like, well crap. Do we even have that many like actual Latinx characters in comics? Yeah. Which is a hard thing to think about. Yeah. Um I think my only hope is that with their ability to kind of pull names from um the 
you know, the properties that they have and make us care about those characters, regardless if they were, you know, DC-less characters and we care about them now. I hope they take more chances in Phase 4 yeah. and kind of go that route and kind of establish, you know, some more household names that we haven't really yeah. heard of before. Which, I mean, they're they're doing it at least when, um, for Asian representation, Shang-Chi's slated. And then the Eternals have uh, Camille Nanjiani is casted as well as I, I can't remember his name but I love him but he's the guy from Train to Busan. Oh, um, okay, cool. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Trying to save the, his pregnant uh, girlfriend slash wife the entire time. Um. So and they also have an Asian director, but yeah, yeah. not much on the Latin front, which sucks. Yeah. Um. But I think the the future is bright for sure i think with all the things that you just mentioned but just up to this point we just really haven't had a whole lot of um you know yeah something other than what they could have done like they could have done something different a long time ago probably maybe they didn't have to wait until last year to kind of make a statement with you know black panther and such it's something they could have done throughout the mcu and not just like here's our diverse movie yeah exactly same thing with captain marvel as well um, and that's kind of all I have. I mean, we've, I think we've talked a lot about kind of lots of other stuff, but uh, Kate added in a section about STEM, which I'm like, super excited to hear about because I love educating the youth. Yeah. So like the one thing I really wanted to add is that for almost the entire existence of the MCU, um, or actually, so since Disney took over the MCU, um, running along with their movies, they've also been running STEM competitions. Um, some of the most vis- visible ones was like they did a superpowered STEM contest for Th- uh, Thor Ragnarok, um, where they had they had uh, I think it was mostly it was mostly centered around girls. Um, they and and it was really cool because Hella was doing all the all the stuff. Um, but like what they did was they they would create science projects and STEM or STEM projects, and then they would submit them, and then they would if they made it past it and they won, they would then go to a mentorship with um the Disney Imagination Works or whatever, um working on like animatronics and stuff like that, and then they would craft a video. Um, they also um donated i think it was they donated a million dollars from the black panther earnings to uh youth clubs i think it's boys and girls clubs um they had girls reforming the future challenge which was during civil war and then um the at captain marvel they partnered with the air force and i think it's like afworks which is their science arm and they held um stem events for kids uh partnered with them in the the and their initiatives and then um, the really cool one is that Disney has actually started building STEM centers. So, like, Disney actually built a center for STEM in Oakland after Black Panther. <laughs> or, like, is funding for that to happen after the Black Panther movie. They, they've done more with, like, I think, because like, we've talked about it a little bit, like, yeah, these movies can get kids excited, but what are you actually doing once you get them excited? Well, Disney is actually trying to get more kids and like underrepresented kids into STEM and using these superheroes as a way to do it. So I thought that was really cool. So I wanted to add it. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't even know about the uh, the STEM Center, which is basically, you know, them doing what they are doing in the movies, which is like directly affecting the outside world, which I think is awesome outside of just, you know, kids dressing up for the characters for Halloween. And if you are a Patreon patron at any tier, uh, Kate has all of these listed that she just talked about 
in our show notes and you know some YouTube videos and things like that. So if you're interested in any of these in your area, you should be able to find those um, pretty easily if you check out our show notes. And that's kind of all I got. Um, final thoughts? I guess if you want to I mean, throw anything we didn't get to talk about in here, I think here's the great time. I mean, great characters, you know, unlikely circumstances, and, you know, great universe. Matt, what was your final thoughts? Um, I mean, it's been a fun, I guess, 10, 11 years or whatever with, like, the 20-plus movies. Um, obviously, be excited for Endgame. Um, not too excited after Endgame, per se. I guess we'll have to wait and see. It might be the last one thing. Um, said they have a lot of characters that are cool. We'll probably see thing. Uh, I don't know. It's coming to an end. Uh, obviously, some people are excited to see Phase 4, and that's great. Hopefully they enjoy it. Um, I'll have to wait and see for the most part. Um, yeah. I, do, I don't know. I'm just looking at the characters we're probably going to have remaining and just not many are that exciting or thing but i mean they've done a decent job of making people care about characters they didn't think they would care about so we'll just have to wait and see i don't know what about you kate um yeah i'm excited i'm i don't know i know next to nothing about the eternals and next to nothing about shang chi so for me going into this next phase I'm actually really excited to see stuff that I don't know about because I do think that for some of the comic book movies that we got I was fairly biased against some of the choices because of what I had seen in the comics um so for me it's it, it's it's a way for me to go into a comic book movie and just enjoy the ride and I think that that's going to be something with the caliber of that of the MCU that of, of what the MCU puts out um that's what i'm gonna do um and i'm just really hoping that i want i love carol danvers in the comics and i just hope that she gets better um that's like that's my only thing for phase four is that i just want a better captain marvel um which i am hoping they'll do because they're they I, I think they're gonna start giving more time to stuff and i came back from not liking thor so um anything is possible but it's it's been a long ride, and I'm excited, and I love this cinematic universe so much, and I'm going to cry like a baby in Endgame a whole bunch, because I cried a whole bunch in Infinity War. Yeah, let's let's do it, man. Oh, man. You might, you might be listening to a different podcast for our next recording. I don't know if I'll be recovered if something tragic <laughs> happens. Oh, man, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. So that was our MCU episode. If we, I'm, I'm I was gonna say if we missed anything, let us know. But I'm there's so much to this world that I there there's there's we could do another episode on this, um and still miss stuff. Um, but yeah, if you want to support us, head on over to Patreon.com/slash What Why the PC. Um, for as little as a dollar, you get access to our shows, uh, or uh, you get access to all of our show notes as well as our shows a day early. And at three dollars, you get exclusive episodes. And rate, review, and subscribe us on iTunes. That is an amazing way to support as well. And you can find the podcast at But Why Though PC on all social medias. And you can find me at Omemeth Randier. Adrian? Yep. You can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93. S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z. 93. Matt? You can't find me. <laughs> <laughs>